a message series uh, right now called Rediscover Church. And the title of today's message is Meaningful, Meaningful Membership. Not just formal membership, not just having your name on a roll, but actually functional membership. Here's a definition of church. We've used it uh, before, a specific, tangible community of believers who gather regularly to help each other follow Jesus. Now, let me put uh, sort of a diagram up here on the screen for you. There you see an image of a tree and roots. And this morning, I want to specifically and boldly talk about the significance of a healthy environment. As a parent, you know how important it is to have a good atmosphere, a good healthy environment for your children. And every follower of Jesus needs an environment where they can grow unto maturity and where they can stand strong in the storms of life. And the strength of your faith will be determined by your spiritual root system. I believe the most important decision you'll ever make is the decision to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the second most important decision is to get planted and be rooted in the house of God, in the church, the local church, because that determines whether or not you grow strong and built up to become a mature son or a daughter of God. When our root system is healthy, when that environment is healthy, our lives and our souls will be healthy. My friends, if you will be grounded in the local church consistently, and if you will be unoffendable, there's a word I'll come back to again, if you'll be unoffendable, and grounded and rooted, your future is strong. But if you are easily offended, and if you have a shallow root system, who you could be is not who you are. Colossians chapter 2 says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I want you unoffendable, and I want you with a strong root system in a local church. Now, everyone faces obstacles to meaningful membership. We all do. We could list several, but let me list four. Here's the first one, idealism. It's this mindset where we're absolutely shocked that people are imperfect like we are. It's important that we are quick to identify evidences of grace in a local church and not just to become church critics. Here's another obstacle to meaningful membership independence, or you might want to say individualism. It's important that you should have a personal relationship with the Lord. That's important, but not a private one. We're saved by grace, and we're saved individually, 
but we're saved to be connected to a body of believers. There's a passage of scripture in Galatians chapter 5 that's so culturally relevant. Listen to it. You, my brothers and sisters, you're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh, to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And you know what? Like the Galatians, we're pretty free. We're very free in Christ, but just think of all the freedoms you have. You've got some financial freedom. You have time freedom. You don't have anyone standing over you saying, you must do this, you must do that. And sort of like the Galatians, if we just sort of wanted to indulge ourselves, I could say, look, I'm not going to be tied down. I'm not going to be obligated. I'm certainly not going to be submissive to any kind of leadership. But the Bible says rather than having this pathological view of freedom that says I'm not serving anyone, not being connected to anyone, rather than using your freedom selfishly, notice his play on words, why don't you choose to be a slave, choose to be a servant to one another? And rather than just being so independent, be connected. I'm thankful for technology. And technology has helped us along. It's a wonderful supplement, but it's not a substitute for being together when you can be together. It can strengthen us, and it does, but it should not replace being together with one another. Here's another obstacle, and it's just inertia. It's hard to get started sometimes. If you've never done the church things, hard to get started. Or if you've done it and you got out of the habit, it's kind of like you, you, you stop going to the gym, and the hardest day to go back is that first one. Inertia sets in. Um, you're going to write that term paper, and if you view the whole 15 pages, it's hard to get started. So you write the first sentence. You say, I'm going to do that first paragraph. That's what I'm going to do. And then here's another obstacle, ignorance. And I don't mean that as an insult. It, it might just be that you're listening to this and you've never considered just how important it is to be a part of the local church for a sustained period of time, that that's a healthy atmosphere and environment. It's a good soil in which to grow your roots deep and the roots of your family deep. And then sometimes we're a little ignorant, not just about church, a church theology, that's important, but the size of a church. Did you know that the, the size of a church can impact so much of a church experience? You know, in the churches of Christ, we have very few larger churches. If you have a background in the churches of Christ, odds are you grew up in a, a, a smaller church. And... Um, a larger church is not just a bigger version of a smaller church. Um, the size of a church, um, the larger it gets, the more complex it is. You must adapt. And the size of a church is not just its attendance. It's its uh, constituency. And uh, if, if you're in this church, you know, well, Lyle Schaller, who's a, a church consultant, he would 
uh, used descriptions for churches. He said, for example, if you're in a, a small church, about 50 people, he called those cat churches. Why a cat church? He said, because they have nine lives. That's why they're cat churches. You know, you'll see that church of 50 people, a lot of gray heads out there, and you think, well, bless their heart, that church is not going to be around in 20 years. But you know what? They'll surprise you. 20 years later, they're there. And they're cat churches. they got nine lives. Churches of about 100 people, they're collie churches. Why collie churches? They love each other, but they tend to bark at an outsider. Okay, because we know everybody here, and, you know, you're not one of us. And then a church of about 250 people, they're called a house church. Why a house church? Well, it feels like you can know most everybody there. And, you know, there's, well, I hadn't seen Brother Harry in, in a couple Sundays, and you just sort of know most everybody. But once you get up to five to 600 or more, you don't know everybody. Not everybody knows you. And um, for something to be communicated, nobody can read your mind. And, you know, nobody's really sure if you're, you're around or you're on vacation or what. And com communication has to be different. Um, and expectations of one another, of yourself, of your staff, of your leaders. And if you're here in this church, we want you to know you are welcome and wanted, but not watched. Some people, you know, it's kind of like, well, I filled out something, but I don't want you to call me. Or um, I'd, I'd like for somebody to pray for me, but I just need you to read my mind and know that I have this, no. Um, as I said earlier, we want you to be connected to one another. And as leaders, if there's something we can do for you, communicate with us. And we would be happy to respond. But church-sized culture is something we need to be aware of and adapt to wisely. Ephesians chapter 3 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, we all face some obstacles, but we also face some opportunities for meaningful me membership in a local church. And here's some reasons that I think meaningful membership is important. First of all, we need leaders to speak into our lives. We just do. And God has given the gift of leadership to the church in order to bring us to a place of maturity, just as he's given mothers and fathers and older siblings to a family. Ephesians chapter 4 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, sometimes in a church or in any kind of group, good leadership can sort of be taken for granted, but poor leadership can become obvious very, very quickly. And we all have this nature that has a tendency to resist leadership. But it's important that we embrace the influence of others 
and leadership in a church, not as a restriction, but actually for what it is, a gift of God to you and me. Secondly, we need friends and partners with whom we do spiritual life. And uh, close friendships are built how? They're built around similar values and shared experiences and whether it's serving side by side in some ministry or maybe being in a group together or just coming to worship together and you see one another in the same section of the of the worship center the sanctuary here and and you 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 just you kind of eye to eye and face to face encourage one another my friends it is not easy to swim upstream in a downstream world and we all need the faith encouragement and we can all provide it to one another let me put a greek word up here on the screen alelon it's found multiple times in the new testament and most of the time it's translated one another so anytime you see a phrase like accept one another forgive one another forbear one another actually 59 times you'll see one another one another one another alelon and occasionally it'll say here's something you don't do to one another do not grumble at one another but we all need we all need friends and partners with whom we do life romans 12 says it like this For just as each of us has one body with many members, so these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You get that? You're part of a body. Let me put a photo up here on the screen of a family. You recognize this family? Maybe you uh, remember them more from the 60s TV show. Here they are. That's the Adams family. They're creepy and they're kooky. They're mysterious and spooky. They're all together ooky. That's the Adams family. And then you got to go, da-da-da-da. There you go. Yeah, you just got to do that. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I'd watch a lot of the reruns of the Adams Family, and I, I loved some of their characters on there. You remember Cousin It? And then one of my favorites was Thing. Here's, a, here's Thing right here, right? A detached hand that lived in a box, and occasionally Thing would come out of that box and walk along, answer the phone, get a glass of water. And what was so ridiculous about that is that a hand just isn't supposed to walk around by itself it's meant to be attached to an arm that's attached to a shoulder that's attached to a torso with legs and feet and ultimately a head and a Christian is a part of a body don't be that thing you're a part of a body walking together pursuing God together and we make a grave spiritual error when we discount the significance of being a part of a local church 
And I realize that church attendance has gone way down in America over the last several years, while immorality has gone way up. Maybe there's a correlation with fewer people going to church regularly and more people committing crimes or actually just violating basic ethical behavior. Mm. Do not believe the lie that engagement in a local church is some outdated relic. It's healthy soil for your soul. And thirdly, we need those to whom we bring life because you bring something to the table. And rather than getting caught up in, in the question of what's in it for me, maybe there's another question and a more important question, what's in me for others? Hopefully what's in it for you, hopefully something, but what's in you for others as well? And you're gifted to do that. 1 Corinthians 12 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. And now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, notice, for the common good. And you may not think there's much in you for others. And you think, well, I wish I had more Bible knowledge or I wish I was, 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 had more fullness of the, of the Holy Spirit or, or whatever. Do not believe the lie that you don't have something to bring to the table in the life of another person. You have much to bring to the table. And whether it's in a group or a class or, again, just encountering one another in, in, in assemblies or wherever it might be. When you bring spiritual warmth, key phrase, spiritual warmth, somebody that says, I love the Lord, I love his people, uh, I may not be as mature, knowledgeable as I'd like to be, but when you bring spiritual warmth to the table, that is absolutely huge. And fourthly, we need, we need difficult people whom God uses to refine our lives. You may not want, want this, may not always enjoy it, but how in the world are you going to learn forgiveness if you don't have opportunities to forgive? How in the world are you going to learn forbearance if you're not in situations that you need to forbear? Someone has said, the church is like Noah's ark. It might stink at times, but it's the safest place to be. And the larger a church gets, the odds are in, of encountering difficult people or a, a non-difficult person, but in a difficult situation. And the odds of experiencing that, and the larger the group gets, it increases exponentially. And if we set the bar so high that the church must be a perfect environment with perfect people before we decide to get rooted and grounded in community, we will forever have shallow root systems. I believe God, in His wisdom, created the church. He didn't make a mistake. How else can we model to the world the ministry of reconciliation? How else can we model the love of Christ if we don't have opportunities to practice it? And we learn the greatest lessons about God's grace toward us when I'm put into a position 
where I need to share that with someone else. And the world can't get along, but the world doesn't know Jesus, and the world doesn't have the Holy Spirit. And relational challenges should not be a reason to avoid church. Instead, it's actually an opportunity to be the church. There's a book written just a few years ago called Unoffendable, How Just One Change Can Make All of Life Better. He says, this is from Brent Hansen, says, if you want to give up your right of being offended, it will be one of the most freeing, healthy, simplifying, relaxing, refreshing, stress-relieving, encouraging things you can do. Dallas Willard, Christian writer Dallas Willard, says being offended is the number one problem in our societies today. And he said, and unfortunately, Christians have not been taught out of it. Listen to these quotes. He says, few of us want to hear this, but it will be enormously, enormously helpful to you if you're constantly being hurt and offended or angered Perhaps you should honestly evaluate your own ego. The cross simultaneously stands as a constant reminder of Jesus' willingness to pay the bill and as an indictment on us when we are unwilling to do the same for others. People say, here's another quote, people say you got to be angry to fight injustice. But I've noticed the best police officers do not do their job out of anger. The best soldiers do not function out of anger. Anger does not enhance your judgment. If you will put down deep roots, if you will be unoffendable, you will go far long and strong and last of all we just need the privileges and the commitments that meaningful membership brings rick warren says the difference between being an attender and a member is the difference between living together and being married and i want you to have meaningful membership yes where you experience the wonderful privileges but you also experience the joy, not just of being connected, but being committed over the long haul, attending, connecting, giving, serving, and preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let me put a photo up here on the screen. You'll recognize this guy, Michael Phelps. One of the most famous swimmers of all time. Uh, I believe the number is 23 Olympic gold medals. The guy was just made to swim. And experts say that's actually sort of a big part of what makes Michael Phelps so fast in the water. He's got an incredible work ethic and drive, but his body is just sort of designed that way. He's six feet four weighs 194 pounds. He boasts a six foot seven inch wingspan. His torso is much longer than is typical. 
for someone of his height, and his legs are proportionally shorter. He has size 14 feet, powerful flippers, and he has ankles that are able to hyperextend, they said more than even a trained dancer, and it gives him the ability to powerfully thrust his feet through the water. And when evaluated, specialists have looked at Michael Phelps, and they've come to one conclusion, he was made to swim. You are made to belong to the universal church. Added to the universal eternal church by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by your faith and by your baptism into his name. And you are made to belong to the local church. Giving, serving, attending, cooperating, being bound together with one another and love. The church is a place of grace. It's a place of truth. It's a place of love. And it's a place of presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you're made for this. You say, well, Ronnie, you don't know my story. Yes, I do. Whatever your story is, our God is a master craftsman. He's an artist that weaves together our stories and your stories. And your past doesn't disqualify you from membership in the body of Christ. To the contrary, your past and your experiences become not just a part of your testimony, but become part of your ministry to others. And that's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So what's your next step? As a man of God or a woman of God, we all have a next step.